Why is she making that noise? She's pumping air into her chest cavity. She's collapsing her lungs. One breath at a time. the Mad Max Minute, where we ventilate the chest cavity of Mad Max Fury Road one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 108, which begins with Furiosa's condition worsening in the backseat, and it ends with Melita pointing out that Furiosa has lost a lot of blood. Wrapping up the week with us is the only podcaster we want pointing out serious medical conditions. It's comic book Alex Robinson from the Star Wars Minute. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. What's happening, everybody? Oh, oh we're just over here, you know, dying. Slowly oh dying. <laughs> Hoping that a friend of ours will come along with a knife and just jab it into the side of us. Well, here I am. <laughs> this is such a crude minute. And I don't mean crude as in, like, the vulgar sense of the word. Just in how nothing is sterilized. No one's probably trained in what's going on. It's... A little distressing, just the way things have found themselves piling out. Rick, did you make the mental connection of where they are? This is the same place where the organic mechanic cut open Inherit. That's like a tongue twister. I feel like I should have noticed that a lot sooner. This is the back of the Gigahorse. This is where Inherit died. Oh, and now Furiosa is here in that same spot, actively dying. Yep. Laying on the same bed-ish place. Wide back seat. I imagine that the seats in the Giga Horse, considering that they're made from old Cadillacs, are very wide and luxurious. Like, if you're going to slowly asphyxiate yourself by filling your chest cavity with air, I can think of more uncomfortable places to do it. Yeah, they don't seem particularly comfortable back there, but they also don't seem cramped. Mm -hmm. Everybody... Who wants a good view has a good view, and Max has room to maneuver around a little bit. He is doing the thing where you like sit on the edge of the hospital bed, because that's the only place he has to go. So I think that's not ideal. But overall, I would say it feels most like the inside of an ambulance, mm. which is fitting from George Miller. If anybody knows what the inside of an ambulance looks like, it's him. And, you know, his stunt people. Yeah. Is that guy's name David Asher? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that they've given Furiosa a bit of a makeshift pillow to support her head, make her a little bit more comfortable. But despite any accommodations they've made for her, she is still making this awful wheezing sound with every breath that she takes. And Cheeto is the one who vocalizes the question, why is she making that noise? And Melita pops up and she says that she is pumping air into her chest cavity, collapsing her lungs one breath at a time. Thanks. Now, I'm pretty sure that Furiosa's lung is collapsing because the knife that went into her side pierced a lung. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Either that or the air is getting into her body through the puncture wound and it's creating positive pressure in the chest cavity that way, but I think it's mostly because of air escaping the lung. Well, I don't know. The lungs function via the diaphragm. 
expand and contract the lungs, which pulls in the air and, and then pushes it out. So if the cavity in general has access to air via a stab wound, the diaphragm would, I think, suck air in that hole as well. I looked up this situation of collapsing lungs, and according to my.clevelandclinic.org, they talk about how a collapsed lung, also known as a pneumothorax, is a condition that occurs when air enters the space between the chest wall and the lung, known as the pleural space. As air builds up, pressure inside the pleural space increases and causes the lungs to collapse. The pressure also prevents the lung from expanding when you try to inhale, causing chest pain and shortness of breath. So it doesn't really specify where that air is coming from. So I think theoretically it could come from either place. The important thing is that there's too much pressure inside of Furiosa right now. Yes. And that and is a problem that needs to be solved. <laughs> and you know how you get rid of pressure is you create another opening. Now, before we talk about Max rummaging around looking for a sharp thing, here in the shot between 12 and 14 seconds, we're looking past Toast, Capable, and Cheeto. They're sitting in the front. They're leaning over the seat. But if you look past them out the front window, you can see a shape sitting on the front of the Giga Horse, and they've got Joe out there wrapped up in a sheet. Well, when did they do that? During the eight seconds fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> it's too controversial to show. <laughs> okay. Nice observation. Didn't catch that. I guess could they have gone back and leave him? Where was the last time we saw him? In the driver's seat of this vehicle. Yeah. So in order for Jillian to get behind the wheel, they would have had to move Joe anyway. True. Because at the point of fade to black, the last time we saw inside the vehicle... Toast was driving, reaching around the body of Joe. So they must have pulled over, got themselves situated. They would have needed to get Furiosa inside, laying comfortably, put something under her head. So I think they probably pulled over. With all the war parties trapped behind the crashed war rig and doof wagon, they're not getting through anytime soon. I would have liked to see that because it would have mirrored the pullover that happened on this same flat where they were kind of recovering from the toxic storm portion of the chase. So it would have been a nice mirror to see them stopping to, yeah, resituate themselves under very different circumstances. Alex, what do you think? Uh, I don't know enough about the geography to be able to, uh, to respond. <laughs> I imagine that if they stopped, then they would have taken care of this scene while they were not moving. Well, that's another good question. I know that they really need to get back to the Citadel, but why not take care of Furioso while they're not moving? Yeah. Are they still worried about the vultures or the buzzers or whatever those people were that you're talking about? It could be. There's a lot of people who could get to the Citadel before them and take control. It there's might. still Gastown and the Bullet Farm. Yeah. Plus, yeah, the buzzards and technically the rock riders. It could be a fear and loathing in Las Vegas situation where they can't stop here. This is bat country. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe they're just in unfriendly gang territory. It's probably never a good idea to stay still too long in the uh, Mad Max universe. I would think so. Plus, here in this minute, as they're driving through the wasteland, does it look like they've hit the evening portion of the day? Mm -hmm. No. I feel like that's a trick question. Why do you, why do you ask such a thing? Because yeah. 
it looks to me like the sun is going down. That it's not quite as the middle of the day as it was during the actual canyon chase. It looks like things are shifting a little bit more orange because the sun is going down. I think I agree with you there. It's also very overcast, which Mm. is making things just not quite as bright. It's very gray. Yes. What would be the significance of it being sundown? I guess because they get there when it's sun, the sun is still out. Well, if I know anything about George Miller, there's absolutely no significance whatsoever about the placement of the sun. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He does not care where the sun is when he shoots. He just shoots. (laughs) Although I'd like to think that he has, especially with the budget of this movie, move past that to, you know, start caring. The height of his not caring was in Road Warrior, when he had a little bit of money, more than Mad Max, but he still didn't have enough money to just hang around, wait till the next day when the sun was where he wanted it to be again. Yeah. So he just kept shooting. So I would like to think that he has moved beyond that now, with money and experience under his belt. That he's moved beyond Thunderdome. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I also think it's the end of the day, because... When we fade in from black back in minute 107, the sun looks pretty low in the sky. And this day has been very eventful. They started it in Vuvalini territory, and they spent all day of it speeding back through what was left of the green place towards the canyon. So it would make sense that they spent the most of the day doing that, especially because Max had to chase everybody down at the start of it. Like, this has been a very eventful day. Very hard day. Yeah. (laughs) But getting back to Furiosa's collapsed lung situation, when Max hears the prognosis, he starts digging around in a bucket on the floor and he pulls out this blade and he places it at Furiosa's side. And I love how he apologizes before he plunges it into her side. As he's inspecting the knife, he's like, I know this looks bad. And then he puts the knife at her and he looks over and he's like, I am so sorry. And then he smacks it and it goes right in. And Furiosa gasps as if this is the first real breath she's been able to take for a long time. I assume the pain of the, the, the relief of being able to breathe again is worth the pain of having a knife shoved into your side. She certainly makes it seem so because mm-hmm. she does seem quite relieved and she perks up a bit. Yeah, she doesn't complain or anything. Now, what Max is doing here, according to what I was able to look up, so grain of salt, everybody, he's performing a chest decompression, letting air out of the chest cavity, thereby neutralizing the air pressure inside so that her lungs can properly inflate. In reality, when we're not in an action movie where everything needs to be truncated, this process is a lot more involved. It's very specific about where you're supposed to stick someone and you're supposed to use a cannula or some sort of long, thin needle. The idea is that you are creating a controlled pathway for air to escape and neutralize pressure instead of just smacking the butt of a knife and puncturing because what Max is doing is a very high possibility of doing further damage. I don't know how much first aid training he has as a highway cop from the near post-apocalypse. No, no, no. No first aid training shows you how to do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Oh, there's a movie. It's like on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what it is, but it's somebody, there's a doctor, they're in a restaurant and someone is like choking or something and they take a pen they take the pen apart so that it's a hollow tube and they stab it into their chest to create oh. an opening 
so that they're not choking. That's very much what I pictured when this was happening. And I really just don't think that what Max does would work without some sort of tube. Is he like holding it open once he stabs her? Is he like he you know, kind of be. pushing it to the side to kind of allow ventilation? Yeah, like creating like a valve by holding it to the side and then letting yeah. it go. Well, once he pulls the knife out, he grabs small bits of fabric and he like hands it off to Melita. He's like, hey, hold, you know, hold this here, put that in, press it. You know, he's telling people what to do in order to care for Furiosa now that he's created another hole in her side. You could make a snide comment about, oh, she needed this like she needed another hole in the head. Uh, Not yeah. hole in the head, hole in the side, more like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pop her like a balloon. I think in the short term, in the moment, she felt relief. But in the long term, I think he just killed her. Yeah. With the high possibility of infection in a situation like this, I think the fewer holes that you have in you, the better. Mm-hmm. But if it lets you get to the point where you could have access to something that could help then I can understand why he would do something so extreme. I think he has formed an attachment to Furiosa, and that's why he's willing to do something so extreme. If this was Savannah, do you think he would have gone to such lengths to save her life? Hmm. Like, yes, Max in Beyond Thunderdome like went out of his way to save them and put his own life at risk to go after them to save them, but... He was also the sort that, okay, this woman has sustained enough injuries that there isn't anything we can do. We're done now. But he has formed so much of an attachment to Furiosa that he is willing to go to further lengths. That's a really good question. And I think that goes along with what we have talked about in the past, that never before, since Jesse, of course... Has Max met somebody who is so much his peer and who works so well together? I think back to Beyond Thunderdome and I look at what Max did in order to clear the way for Jedediah and the other children to escape in the air truck. And I see a bit of a parallel between that act and what Nux did in this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's hard for me to think what... Max would have done if he had stayed on the plane and was in a situation where Savannah needed the kind of help that Furiosa needs. I would like to think that he would have done the same thing, offered what help he could have, first aid wise. But I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Max would have done what he's going to do on Monday, but I could definitely, now that I think hard about it, see him doing this, offering relief in some way through this knowledge that he just has in the back of his head when it comes to what to do in this situation. I think Max has enough knowledge to know that creating another opening and allowing her to breathe, it's not saving her life. It's just making her more comfortable right now. Yeah. But she probably doesn't have long to live. Isn't that okay, though? Or are you saying that in a, he shouldn't be doing that kind of way? He realizes that he is easing her suffering, but that he can't save her. But then when she starts to drift away, he is upset by that. Yeah. And wants to take more action. So I think Max himself is conflicted. Or, or he just didn't realize what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll stab her and then she'll be okay. Like he read a yeah. book once. <laughs> I saw a picture once of the doctor who did the thing. Yeah. When he was a highway cop, he might have seen a doctor do this sort of thing after a big pileup crash. Mm-hmm. He may have. 
So that might be the extent of his knowledge when it comes to what to do to someone who has sustained trauma like this. When he hears the collapsing lung comment, he's like, oh, I have a moment that I can call back to in my personal history that might be valuable in this instance. But what's definitely for sure is that Max is not ready to let go. He fights for her. And Furiosa, she says a few things. In the subtitles, it only mentions her saying the word home, but she tries to sit up and Max helps her sit up a little bit and she gets real close to his ear and she's muttering something. And I was unable to really get a good bead on what she's saying. And it almost sounds to me like she's asking Max to take everybody home. That's what I got. I didn't get any specific words besides the home, but that was the feeling that I got was to make sure that they get home. Hmm. I guess the, when I watched it, the first thing I thought was that she was kind of like uh, delirious and mm. she was like, oh, I'm home or, or something like that. But especially since she was so disappointed by the, the outcome of the, you know, try to find that green place that they were looking for. But as she starts to drift away, Julia, like you mentioned, Max is like, no, 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 no. Like there's several no's in the subtitles mm-hmm. that he does not want her to drift off. And as he lowers her down towards the pillow, she does look like she's just drifting away. And Melita, very helpfully from the back, mentions that Furiosa is exsanguinated. From the Latin, ex meaning out of, and sanguis meaning blood. So it's very literally, she is out of blood. A situation which Max, in theory, should be very familiar with. In theory, yeah. In practice, (laughs) it's a mystery. (laughs) So anyone that's practiced on their Latin finds it very repetitive that Melita follows that up by saying drained all her blood, which makes a lot of sense considering when she was stabbed and all of the things she did once she was stabbed and then pulled out the knife and then decided to go climbing all over everything and fighting dudes and stabbing folks in the face with harpoons. Yeah, she's been a busy woman. You would think all of those leather straps would create some sort of positive pressure to keep all the blood inside, but probably not as much as we think. Women don't let a little bit of bleeding get in the way of getting the job done. (laughs) That's very true. Just a typical day at the office. (laughs) This situation would be drastically different if tampons existed in the post-apocalypse because I've seen cop shows where in a pinch, there's a guy with a gunshot wound and they grab a tampon and they jam that thing into the gunshot and then deploy it. Yep, that's very handy. They're very, very absorbent. Those people also have a hospital they can go to. Right, it's also very temporary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if you want to pursue that line of thought, but I can't imagine that there's commercial manufacturing of feminine hygiene products anymore in the the not-too-distant future, so they must have improvised some other way of, you know, uh, dealing with that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, funny that George Miller didn't make that a key plot point in his action movie. It's a big plot hole. (laughs) I think it is a big plot hole. (laughs) Speaking of that subject, shouldn't Furiosa have had, like, a kit of some kind on her truck? I mean, I know the truck's gone, but, like, first aid slash sanitary supply kit? Something that they could have grabbed on their way out, much like how the dag did with the bag of seeds. Oh, okay, we're abandoning ship, let's grab bag of seeds, let's grab... First aid kit, whatever weapons we can get our hands on as we go from the war rig to the Gigahorse. 
I mean, I know that the climax was winding down at the time, but they didn't know that. I am a little disappointed in Immortan Joe and the Warboys that they did not properly equip their vehicles with first aid kits and seatbelts. And I know I've mentioned the seatbelts before, but just the overall sense of safe work environment, still very disappointing. Yeah, they must have a lot of their insurance rates must be through the roof. Oh, absolutely. Cover all those uh, war boys. At least Immortan Joe has the good sense to put some hand railings on his high walkways. Is that a swing of me? <laughs> Just as long as you duck in time. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing Melita mention that Furiosa is drained of all her blood, Max seems to have a light bulb go on over his head and he starts frantically looking around. Now, we're not quite sure in this minute what he's looking for. That's something that will be covered in Monday. But we can take a guess that his universal donor status is going to come into play here at the end of the movie. Oh, for sure. We can't let that callback opportunity go to waste. Exactly. But that pretty much brings us to the end of this week. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here in this wind down period. (laughs) Oh, it's been my pleasure. Makes me want to rewatch the whole movie now. Is there anything you would like to plug for our listeners to check out here at the end of the week? Yes, uh, I am the co-host of a podcast entitled Godfather Minute, which uh, if you've been paying attention, you can probably guess is me and uh, someone else, in this case, my brother, going through the classic Francis Ford Coppola film, The Godfather, one minute at a time, and we only do one episode a week, so we're in it for the long haul. I think we're about to hit episode 100, so uh, tune in, godfatherminute.com. Very cool. I think it's appropriate because there are so many in the Movies by Minutes community that like to refer to you as one of the godfathers of the format, so (laughs) it only makes sense. (laughs) Did not occur to me, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. As for us, we will be coming back on Monday when Max will put his universal donor status to good use, he will hit a vein in one try, and finally tell Furiosa his name. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 108 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>